0: Welcome to the Med Street Journal. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Med Street Journal, sponsored by OpenLoop, a trusted partner for telehealth companies across the U.S. looking to launch and scale their virtual care services. Check them out at OpenLoopHealth.com. I am your host, as always, Rodney Hu, And today I'm joined by another very special guest, Dr. Margot Jaco. She is an award-winning founder and Chief Care Officer of the Juniper Center, one of the largest counseling and therapy practices across Chicagoland with over 60 clinicians at five locations across Illinois. She hosts the podcast, Your Mental Health Business Mentor, helping clinicians find the balance between providing compassionate client care and business agility to grow their mental health practice. She also provides one-on-one business consulting to mental health clinicians and practice owners. So that being said, I'm excited to have her on and learn a little bit more about her story and her background and the impact that she's trying to have in the healthcare field. So. That being said, Margot, welcome to the podcast.
1: Well, thanks, Rodney. So glad to be here. Thanks for the invitation.
0: Yeah, no problem. So why don't we just jump into it? Why don't you give people a brief background on who you are and what you're working on over at the Juniper Center?
1: All righty. So the Juniper Center, it was originally just my practice. I was an independent therapist working on my own for probably about 12 years and had always had just been fortunate enough to have a little bit of overflow. And so I hired on an associate when I was going to have my first child, because I wanted to be home for dinner. So the whole premise of the practice was so that I could be home for dinner at night. So we just grew from there. One clinician became two, became three, became four, and actually now we are up to 72. So we've had a significant amount of growth in the last year, but it's been pretty steady over the last several years. And I'm really thrilled that what that says to me is that getting good mental health care and i think our team is great getting good quality mental health care into the hands of people that need it is becoming easier people are not as afraid to reach out and to say i've got something going on in my life that i need some help with i'm going to call somebody and i'm going to go talk to a therapist kind of like you break your arm you dislocate something you break a tooth you go and see the provider that you would need to to get that fixed i think it's becoming more normal. So that's one of the big things that we've been up to is trying to get good care into the hands of as many people as we can in a quality way.
0: Yeah, I like that. And like you're focusing more on like therapy and mental health. And I feel like as far as healthcare, when you talk about patient services, that's not what people first think of you thinking of like broken arm or something, or you get sick, you're going to the hospital, get treatment for stuff like that. But how important is the aspect of mental health and focusing on improving that part of your life as well?
1: I think one thing that people don't realize is just how much their mental health impacts their physical health. It impacts sleep. It impacts relationships. It impacts Digestion, it impacts so many areas of our life. So, if our mental health is attended to, there are less doctor visits, less hospital visits, less divorce, less stress at work. People just report better well being. And it really stems back to taking care of your mental health. What does that mean? It means managing your stress in your life, it means learning skills that maybe you didn't learn as a younger person, you know, we all grow up as we do. Nobody's got the owner's manual for their kids. I certainly don't have one for mine. My kids always say, mom, having a therapist as a parent, you know, I'm going to be in therapy like for the rest of my life. I'm like, well, sorry, kid, at least you'll know what to do. You'll know how to talk about a feeling. So it comes in handy for them. But ultimately taking care of people's mental health, people taking care of their mental health has far-reaching impacts that I think tend to not be thought of. And now physicians' offices, there are more and more integrative health centers where physicians are referring directly to people who are mental health providers who either work in their space and they do what's called a soft handoff where they say, look, this person, yes, they have an ulcer. Yes, they're having cardiac disease. Yes, they have diabetes. Yes, yes, yes. There are a lot of issues. But ultimately, it seems like the biggest issue is anxiety. It's depression. And so they're handing those folks off to people who can really handle those cases better. Those folks are not then stuck in a loop of being on their physician's calendar, which takes time away from Physicians being able to treat actual medical conditions, ultimately, it's a huge drain on the healthcare system. So, insurance companies have been pretty amenable because they see good data saying, look, if we take care of people's mental health care, if we allow people to have coverage in their insurance benefits, they are much less likely to have these serious physical issues down the road. Unfortunately, people don't tend to think of mental health first, but it can be really preventative for a lot of physical issues as well.
0: Nice. Yeah. And I feel like healthcare in itself is super broad, obviously. And then like mental health is just like one that gets washed compared to all the other ones like cancer and stuff like that. But it's just as important. It's more than just talking about your feelings. What do you have to say to those people who were like, man, I don't want to just go talk to somebody about my feelings or just have them asking me, how does this make me feel type of interaction? That's a great question,
1: Rodney. I used to teach
0: graduate school. I taught
1: therapists in training and all they knew how to say in a mock session, because there were, there's lots of mock sessions. All they knew how to say is, well, tell me how that makes you feel. And I said, you know what? That's kind of a stupid question. (laughs) Yes. getting Helping people identify their feelings. I don't think I said a stupid question. There's no stupid questions, but that's not a useful question necessarily. Helping people identify their feelings so that they know what to do when they have that feeling. Oh, you're getting angry. What do you do when you get angry? I really lose it. I start screaming at people. How is that working out in your relationships? Not very well. Okay, so what are some other ways that we can help you begin to identify the signals in your body, in your system that you're starting to ramp up and get angry? Is it a temperature change? Is it a clenching? Do you notice muscle tension? When you notice that, let's talk about some things that you can do. The old way of thinking was, well, you count to 10 or you walk out of the room? And those are great, But there are other things that people can do too so that they can manage their nervous systems much more effectively. That's what I do a lot with folks is I help them figure out how to manage their nervous system response. So there's that fight response, which is an angry response. There's a flea response. Those are your avoiding people who only walk out of the room or they'll clam up or they'll walk away. They don't know what else to do. You've got your people who just freeze. Those are the people who shut down. It's a lot about teaching people strategies and tools and much more about self-awareness. We do talk about how people feel, but that's not the end goal. It's just a way to figure out what do we do next.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And you mentioned the keyword that stuck out to me, self-awareness. And I feel like a lot of people who are dealing with stressful things in their life, and it shows externally, they may not know how to fix it until they look internally. And I feel like getting some professional help, like speaking with someone like you or Someone from your company, it allows them to become self aware on the triggers, whether it be emotional or whatever, that kind of influence their actions. And then once you become self aware, those kind of variables, I guess, then you can reverse engineer the process of fixing it or then finding a solution. Man, that's super interesting.
1: Well said. I love that. You reverse engineer solutions. I love that way of thinking about it, Rodney, because the whole thing that people are up against then, sometimes it's faulty thinking. They get into negative, faulty thinking. They're called ants, automatic negative thoughts. They're projecting out into the future and they can't reel it back in. So they need somebody to help them learn how to do that. There are lots of strategies for how to reel your brain back in, how to stay in the moment, how to not get ahead of yourself, Depression is thought to be people who are stuck in past stuff that has happened. So how do we pull people out of that and get them back into what's happening in the now? And the wonderful thing that's happened during the course of my career is all of this great neuroscience that now teaches therapists how to use neurochemistry, neurobiology, neurophysiology to help people change. I remember sitting in class in graduate school and the professor talking about Freud's theory of the unconscious, that it was just some kind of amorphous bubbling cauldron. And I thought, well, that's ridiculous. It's your brain. I mean, who am I compared to Freud? But it made no sense to me. It's always made sense to me that what we're dealing with is our brain. And if we can learn how to be more in charge of what our brain is doing, And using our cognition as well as our emotion, which is actually the problem. Some people get stuck all in cognition, but anger, depression, anxiety, those are all the parts of the brain that are considered more primitive. They're more survival centers. When people are stuck in a negative emotional cycle, that's all those parts of the brain. And Those are what are called autonomic or automatic functions. So we can't really necessarily even think our way through them. We need to have strategies that we've practiced repeatedly so that when we're in that stressful situation, again, even though nature really likes a stress response, because it's what kept us safe in the cave days, theoretically, it definitely helps us to be able to get our arms around what we're doing and make some choices that's what we're really aiming
0: to do. Man, I could definitely see the value of what you guys do and how you're going about helping people. And so it's interesting because you started with yourself as an independent therapist and you started growing. Like you have what over 60 clinicians as part of your network now and you guys are helping people. Is it just in Chicago or how far do you guys reach out as far as like people that you're able to help?
1: So prior to COVID, we were in five locations, all in the Chicago land area, and that was it—all bricks and mortar, all in-person therapy. I was a huge naysayer of telehealth. I thought, "Oh my gosh, on a screen, you're going to lose all this material and all this dynamic and all this ability to read people's cues." I-, I would just like to say, I was very wrong. That was not the case. You know, in March of. 2020, we were all forced, kicking and screaming, to either go virtual or be really out of business. That was it. So like everybody else, we hopped on and figured out how to do Zoom and started doing Zoom sessions. And lo and behold, it worked, and it worked really well. And it provided greater access for people even outside of the Chicago area. So I've now hired some people who are downstate in Illinois. We now have also moved into Indiana We have someone out in Boston, we have someone in California, and we have other folks that we're looking at in some of the surrounding states outside of Illinois. It's just phenomenal what we can help people access at this point in terms of care. So no, we are not just in Chicago anymore. At moments, it does feel like Dorothy's not in Kansas anymore. It's a whole new world. It's very different. But I have found it to be really exciting for that reason. We can just continue to provide more care, good care, not just care that's done by someone who doesn't have a lot of training. It's still the same good quality care to people really right now in five different states and growing.
0: Man, that's awesome. That's excellent progress for you guys, because I feel like nobody could have really prepared for the impact that this pandemic and COVID and all that, that Mm -hmm. people are always talking about, like has on their business. And even during the pandemic, there's people who are still struggling and even probably even more so and so the fact that the healthcare industry was able to adopt a more virtual sort of setting really allowed them to really amplify the impact that they're trying to make and I feel like one vertical in which that really shows is through like mental health therapy and other things like that because there's always somebody that needs help but if you're locked down and you can't go in to get help what was the alternative and then I feel like if people don't get help they don't know which direction people can turn to drinking or drugs, but even having to jump in on a Zoom call and just having that conversation with somebody, that's still valuable. So it's interesting to hear your story and your transition from just Chicago to really amplifying the amount of people that you can interact with and connect with.
1: Yeah, it's been a really surprising benefit of this last year and some. It's caused us to really stretch. And I think it's been ultimately a good thing for us and for the people that we're able to connect with. Who knew?
0: Yeah, no. And so obviously when you're talking about starting and running a company. Like that's the whole business aspect, but then you're a therapist. So you got to focus on the healthcare aspect and you can't do it alone, right? So you have the other members in your team to help build and grow this business that you're working on. So I want to give you an opportunity to shine some light on some people who've helped you grow this and get it to where it's at today.
1: Oh my goodness, Rodney. Thank you for doing that. I love to brag about my team. When I talk about really good quality care. I think everybody says that, right? And everybody might think that. It's been really important for us to make that be real, right? Because if I say it and it's not real, people find that stuff out. I started out originally with Cecilia, who has been with me all along, who was the other part of my brain, it felt like. And it just was that extra person who could help me think things through. She did all of the operations pieces. And as we grew, we took on... Other people who have helped with operations. We have Donna, who's our billing guru. We have Aline, who is our intake coordinator, who is just the kindest, gentlest soul. If you were calling someone, this is really what I was hoping for. If, if I were calling someone when I was in trouble or in a crisis or in need, she is the person I would want to have answered that phone. People who will really care will take the time, will listen and make sure that they connect you with the person who's going to best be able to help you. So that's her. She's been phenomenal. And then all of our therapist team, we have some folks who've been with me since the very beginning. That's 18 years. And they've been with me all along. And I'm so appreciative of all of those folks. And then the people that we've been able to take on over time, they're good clinicians. They're committed. We have so many opportunities prior to COVID to connect. We would get together several times a year. We would have dinners. We really have felt like a team. And the culture, even during COVID, even more so during COVID, has been super important to me to be able to continue to make sure that that piece of the practice is being respected, is being manifested. That what we really care about is not just caring about the people who call us, but also our team. So our administrative team does an incredible job to support the therapist. The therapists carry the heavy weight. So our organizational chart looks more like a tree instead of a top down. It's not like a pyramid. It's like a tree. I'm at the bottom offering what support I can to the administrative team who is phenomenal to help our therapists be able to do their hard work to offer the service to the clients, the culture, the people that we have working with us are amazing. I can't thank them enough.
0: Awesome. That's great to hear because when you talk about mental health type of business and the importance of what you guys are trying to do, like that, all the patient facing stuff is important as well, but a lot of that doesn't happen without the foundations, without all the back end systems and people to help bring this to life. Like you use a tree as an example. And the way I was visualizing it's like you have the trunk and then you have the branches and the leaves and all that, the bigger the tree is, it just creates more shade and the shade is going to provide value to your target audience. And so the bigger you can grow your tree, the more shade and the more people that you can help. Exactly,
1: Rodney. And growth is always complicated. It's everybody's afraid of change and what growth is going to look like. And I really have been so impressed with our team's ability to grow and flex and to be patient and to see what this can be because they also are committed to helping as many people as we can.
0: Interesting. When you talk about growth, just going from Chicago and less than 60 clinicians and then getting to that point, what sort of obstacles or roadblocks did you have to jump over to get to this point that really stick out to you?
1: Certainly one Thing that was important was making sure that we had people on our team who could help get our message out there. The marketing and therapy sound like they shouldn't go together. The business side of mental health, like oh, you're kind of taking advantage of people in crisis, but I think of it as we need to let people know that we're here. So we have Chris, with whom you've spoke, we have Deanna, who is our marketing guru. These folks have really worked hard to make sure that we have a smart plan. To be able to let people know what we're doing and to invite people to come and check us out. And my brother joined us as our COO this last year, which has been so delightful. He worked in eye care forever as a VP in a large company and he's brought a lot of knowledge. So I think having the right people in the right positions, and it took a little time to get there to your point of what were some of the challenges. Who are the right people in the right seats, on the right bus, at the right time? At this moment in time, I feel like we've managed to do that. And that's helped us grow quite a bit during COVID. And the growth was all to meet need. We saw that we were getting lots and lots of requests for seeing kids and teenagers who were really suffering. So we hired many more teenage or not, we didn't hire any teenage (laughs) therapists, but therapists who treat teenagers and and kids. And so we've just had the right people in the right seats. That was a big obstacle. Working with insurance companies is not easy. There are frequent roadblocks. During COVID, one of the things that many states did was making sure that mental health care had to be covered. And we had to be covered at the in-office rate because many insurance companies were saying, well, you're not paying for bricks and mortar like my landlords (laughs) let us out of the leases, not even close. We were still paying for that. And now we had to pay for a huge bill for Zoom subscriptions, but the reimbursement was much lower. Well, guess what? That changed. And Governor Pritzker over the summer signed legislation saying, telehealth is here to stay. Insurance companies have to pay this. And there's something called parity, meaning they have to pay it at a certain rate. You don't get to just undercut. So that was a really huge, huge boost is that we could now offer the care and still our therapists could be able to pay their bills, which was really important as well. So having The funding sources were very insurance-friendly in our practice because that's the best way for people to do it. Therapy is often not cheap. It can be expensive. So having good coverage was important. The legislation helped with that. And for us internally, having the right people in the right seats to do this growth and having good therapists who had been with us for a very long time who could mentor and shepherd in some of these other therapists who are coming onto our team. That was critical.
0: That's interesting that you mentioned the role that insurance plays in all this because usually people think just patient-physician connection, but they forget that third part of the triangle, which is insurance, which is usually where everyone has to go through in order to get to the doctor. And that part is complicated. And so it's interesting how you have to navigate that aspect.
1: A hundred percent. If you are ever using insurance, there is always a third party in the room making decisions that is silent that you don't know about. And that's your insurance carrier. All physicians, all healthcare professionals who accept insurance, we are beholden in some way to these insurance companies. So being able to navigate them and navigate them in an ethical way is critical.
0: Yeah. I never really realized the importance of insurance because me, I go to the doctor here and there, but it yeah. wasn't until I just had my daughter earlier this year, but I never got started thinking about all these different doctor's appointments and like, oh, I should go to the doctor down the street. Oh, wait, is your insurance taken. You got to go do all these extra steps. I was like, oh man. Okay. Is yep. this a good insurance? What about this one? And then you start going down that rabbit hole of having to educate yourself on the different alternatives and what's best for your current situation
1: it, it is definitely a thing
0: sure i want to go back because like how you started with yourself and you talking about bringing on different people and feeling the seats as needed as you're growing but how did you know which seats to fill and when and how did you go about prioritizing certain areas of growth within your business like you mentioned like You're getting a lot of an increased need for teenagers and therapists for them. Did you have a plan to plan for that? Or it wasn't until that need arose before you decided to handle that problem?
1: I am one of those entrepreneurs who does not have, or historically did not have some master plan that I was working toward. It absolutely was as opportunities arose and needs arose and where the intersection of those two were. So when I started, we stayed at about 12 clinicians for quite a while, 12 to 15 for quite a while. And then I was accepted into the 10,000 small businesses, Goldman Sachs training program that was offered here in the city of Chicago colleges. And it's throughout the country. And I'd never had any business training ever and so I was doing everything myself at that point, which was the biggest mistake an entrepreneur can make, right? Is that we're doing everything. Probably one of the most important lessons that I learned, there were two of them. One, I had to run my business by the right metrics. I needed to, to figure out the metrics and run my business according to those metrics, which no therapist knows what metrics are. We don't know what we're doing. None of us got business training, Right. It's just ridiculous that any of us even own businesses. We just have no training. We're making it up as we go along. And the other was that I needed to be willing to hire people to do some of this work for me. I had to not always work in the business. I had to learn how to work on the business and everything changed for us. The minute I hired somebody to start answering our phone, it just never even occurred to me like the squeezable plastic ketchup bottle. When I was growing up, they were all glass. There was no squeezable bottle. It's like Who didn't think, why didn't I think of that? But having somebody answer the phone. Well, all of a sudden, all of those referrals, I didn't even realize how many we were just missing because nobody answered the phone. You know, somebody calls, they'll get your answering machine or your voicemail and then they go on to the next person. If you don't have time till tomorrow morning to call them back, you've lost that person. So we got somebody to answer the phone and all of a sudden we had a doubling of the amount of people who we were able to capture and serve but that meant we needed double the therapists. So that was a big part of our growth, just figuring out what was that linchpin. Once we had that, then I needed somebody who could take the billing off my hands and somebody who really knows how to do that. So now I think of it this way. I'm not a biller. I'm not an intake coordinator. I'm not a credentialer. I'm not a marketer. I'm a therapist who happens to be an entrepreneur and I need to hire those people as soon as I can. I think about the woman who uh, started the company Spanx, uh, the women's undergarments. I saw an interview or listened to an interview with her many moons ago. And she said the thing she learned as an entrepreneur is as soon as you can hire people to do the things you're not so good at, make those your first hires. So that's what I did. I thought, oh, I couldn't answer the phone because I was in session. I'm good at answering a phone. I just couldn't do it. So that was how I started. And then I thought, okay, so what else am I not great at? And that's where I started making those hires. What eats up my time? What could somebody really have more training and be better at?
0: That's interesting. Really just focusing on the strengths and delegating the weaknesses and really just listening to like that specific situation. And it really sounded like you just identified like a small bottleneck or a small lever that you can pull that makes a bigger difference in the overall grand scheme of your like business. And then it opens up the gates to higher level, more good problems that you could have.
1: That's right. They are good problems. I'm always happy to take care of the good problems.
0: Yeah, for sure. Cause there are some stuff like that you have to work on, but it's better to work on your business, not in your business type of thing. I really respect the transparency into how your mind works and how you go about thinking about your business and navigating certain situations that you've been in. It's awesome. We're coming towards the end of the main meat section of the interview. We've been talking a lot of business, healthcare, uh, mental health specifically, and what you're working on over at Juniper Center. But last question I have for you is what sort of advice would you have for people, whether professional or just regular people, who need mental health help but don't know how to take that first step?
1: That's a great question. You're a good interviewer, Rodney, I have to say. So the first step, if someone, first of all, can just recognize that somebody else outside of them will be able to offer a different perspective than they have. And it's not a weakness. Just like if you break a tooth, it is not a weakness to go get that tooth fixed. Nobody would ever even think that was a weakness. So if someone says, you know what? Yeah, maybe I need to go talk to somebody. Maybe there's somebody else who could give me more perspective, not because I'm weak, not because I'm stupid, not because I'm mentally ill or crazy, but because it actually might be helpful to talk to somebody who's trained, who can give me some other ideas. There are lots of ways to find therapists. You can just Google anxiety and the town that you live in. There's a psychology today website that will pop up. Again, this isn't a plug for psychology today necessarily, but a lot of therapists, at least in the Chicago area, have their profiles on there and you can read about and compare people. I would say a hundred percent make a call and interview the people that you might work with. You do not have to just take the first person that you find or who calls you back. It's so important to get a good fit. Do they obviously accept your insurance? Can they meet with you at a time that works for you? Those sorts of things are really important, but also what kind of experience do they have? How many people have they dealt with who have a situation like this? So somebody has panic disorder. How many people with panic disorder have they treated? Not all therapists have worked with panic disorder. Not all therapists are really effective with panic disorder for somebody who has an eating disorder or has had trauma What kind of training do they have? You can ask them a lot of questions and don't be shy. Go with your gut. Do you feel comfortable talking to them? If I feel uncomfortable with somebody, I don't care who it is. I don't really want to have anything to do with them, right? The same should be true for a therapist. So see what it feels like to talk to them. If somebody won't give you 15 minutes at no charge on the phone, or better yet, if you're going to be doing video conferencing with them on a Zoom call don't go see that person. I, I would never go see somebody who wouldn't give me a few minutes to chat with them in advance because I want to see how that feels. So those would be the things I would suggest.
0: Awesome, It makes a lot of sense to do that little bit of due diligence and extra work up front just to let people to see whether it'd be a good fit or not before you actually dive in Cause then I feel like that has an influence on your overall experience. And if you just rush in and find the first person that you talk to, and it's not a good experience. And that's how I guess therapists or therapy kind of gets a bad rap in some people's eyes is because they've had that sort of experience. I think that's excellent advice.
1: Oh, I'm so glad you said that Rodney. And people have had negative experiences. not because the therapist was bad or a bad person, although it's like anything else, there are folks who are not great, but more often than not, it's a bad fit. They went to the urologist when they needed to go to the psychologist. (laughs) They needed somebody to deal with the broken arm and they went to see somebody who treats cuts or something. It's just, it wasn't a good fit. It wasn't the right match. Finding that right match is really, really important to do. So it's worth that extra time. If people don't have the time to do that, please feel free to call us. We have a large list. We're happy to give out resources as well. We have resources on our website. Please feel free, even if you're not coming to us, it's really important to us that you and folks who are out there trying to find care can get good care.
0: Awesome. So we wrapped up the main meat segment of the interview, but I like to end each episode on a little lighter exercise with something I call the rapid fire round. So I'm just going to ask you a short list of questions and you give me whatever answers you come up with. Okay. All right. Question number one, what is your favorite book of all time?
1: Wally Lamb. I know this much is true.
0: Okay. Question number two, who is the most influential person in your life or career?
1: My wife, Beth, for sure has been the most influential, just the kindest, most honest person you'd ever want to meet. Integrity is huge. So that's fabulous. And my brother, Mark, who's our current COO just in business. He's been an incredible mentor.
0: Awesome. Shout out to Beth and shout out to Mark. Number three, what is one goal you want to accomplish within this next year?
1: I want to get good care into the hands of people in surrounding states outside of Illinois.
0: Awesome. I like it. And last but not least, what is one piece of advice you would give to your 20 year old self?
1: I bet you probably hear this one a lot from people, Rodney, but it is just don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what other people think. Don't listen to all the people who say no. Don't listen to the people who say it can't be done. Just don't be afraid, just do it. Don't be so worried about what other people say. Their crystal ball works as well as mine does. We bought it at the same place, it's got the same functionality. There's none, so trust your gut. Awesome,
0: I like it. It's like Nike says, just do it, <laughs>
1: just do it, just do it, just
0: take action. That's awesome. Right. Margo, I just want to thank you again for jumping on and sharing what you're doing at the Juniper Center and the impact that you're trying to create. In the healthcare space and in the lives of people within more than just Chicago, like you mentioned, mental health is a serious issue and not a lot of people are tackling it. I, and I'm pretty sure a lot of others, appreciate that as well. But before you go, if people want to connect with you, learn a little bit more, where can they go? Where can they find some more information?
1: Oh, thanks Rodney. And thanks for this opportunity. It's been a real pleasure to speak with you. I've appreciated your questions and your perspective. If people want to reach me, they can get me at Margot Jaco. It's M-A-R-G-O-J-A-C-Q-U-O-T at Junipercenter.com. Juniper like the tree, not Jupiter like the planet. And we are on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, Instagram, we have a YouTube channel. If they just go to our website at the junipercenter.com, drop all the way down to the bottom, they can click on our YouTube channel. They can see all of our social media links there, and they are welcome to take any of those resources and use them in any way they need to. There's a lot of free stuff for people to use, just tips and tricks and ways to manage your mental health, especially during stressful times like COVID has been. So thank you for inviting me today.
0: Yeah, No problem. And I'll be sure to include all those links in the resources section. But that ends today's episode. Thank you again for jumping on. And I hope you guys found some value in this conversation. Catch you guys on the next one.